You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Hear these words from the Gospel of St. Luke. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him vinegar and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Please be seated. I speak to you now in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the word translated paradise in English is most frequently a synonym for heaven. Sometimes paradise is a a metaphor used to describe that heavenly vision of the restored Garden of Eden with God and reconciled humanity at the very center. From cover to cover, no matter what, the word is a way to describe the dwelling place of God or God's presence. Now, when you and I use the word, however, we might be referring to any place of beauty or tranquility. To the modern ear, especially to my secular ear, the word paradise has become an idiom for any ideal place. I can remember telling a friend a few years ago that a certain Oceanside resort was my happy place, my paradise. He's a dear friend, but he's a registered cynic. And so he was delighted the next day after I checked out to send me a news clipping to let me know that someone had been found dead in room 208. And he couldn't wait to say, you really should revisit your concept of paradise, Charleston. And it's this sort of loosey-goosey modern usage of the word that has turned the whole concept of paradise, of biblical paradise, on its head into something totally subjective, depending on really whatever my mood is, whatever your mood is at any given moment. Uh, Ever suffered from wanderlust? COVID has brought that totally out. I'm up all hours of the night Googling trips that I can't take. I recently learned from Siri For example, there's a city incorporated in Florida called Paradise Heights. I don't know if that was close to where you are. Two days later, she's fickle with this too. Totally subjective. Two days later, I asked Siri, where is Paradise? And she said, do you want Paradise Plumbing or Paradise Gymnastics? I happily told her, neither fit my idea of Paradise. Now, Siri can be very capricious. The great 20th century theologian, Jimmy Buffett, He was rather cryptic about it. Remember, cheeseburger in paradise, heaven on earth with an onion slice. Not too particular, not too precise. I'm just a cheeseburger in paradise. What the heck? Uh, At least guns and roses. 
They were more direct. Take me down to Paradise City, where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. So where is your happy place? What is your idea of paradise? Sunsets on the beach? I see a lot of that on Facebook, but I live in Florida. Safaris in Africa? Champagne toasts atop the Eiffel Tower. There's one. They're all fine things, even amazing things. And right now we crave those moments more than ever, which is understandable. But none of them hold a candle to the biblical concept of paradise, to genuine, eternal paradise. So this leads me today, since I'm a visitor, I can get away with more difficult questions, in other words. This leads me to the biggest question of all, the one none of us came in here wanting to ask. And this question is this, when we die, when we die, how can we know that we are going to paradise, to heaven? Let the record show Everybody got even more still and quiet. St. Luke tells us about two thieves condemned to the very same sentence our Lord was unfairly under, one on the left, one on the right. One thief faces the situation by making haughty demands, hurling insults at Jesus, as one translation puts it and ordering Jesus to to work up something, anything really, to prevent imminent execution. Are you not the Christ? He says condescendingly, save yourself and us, he demands. This is the quintessential attitude of someone who neither believes nor has ever considered the next chapter that we all will face, the undiscovered country, to quote Shakespeare. Despite the eternal gravity of his situation, all this man can focus on is preserving and getting on with an earthly, temporal life. The man is not one bit worried about hell for sure because he's never even considered heaven. No regret for his crime, no fear of the future, and all denial. He just wants some previous version of his life back because to him, this life is all there is. And if this life is all there is, of course, he will do whatever it takes to preserve it and extend it. I swear it's this kind of attitude, attitudes just like this that are the backstory of so much movie and music. Do you remember Belinda Carlisle banging on in 1987? We'll make heaven a place on earth. We'll make heaven a place on earth. Yuck. No thank you. With one foot in the grave, as we love to say in Alabama, how's so-and-so doing? Oh, he's got one foot in the grave. With one foot in the grave and the other hoping for a miraculous turn of events. He thinks of Jesus at best as a rabbit's foot and at worst, a defeated political dissident. 
The second thief, however, ah, altogether different, isn't he? He accepts that there is more to life than what we see. Thanks be to God. He accepts that his end has come, that he is under the sentence that, in fact, he, he deserves. And he realizes that Jesus is an innocent man. We call this the abandonment of denial once and for all and coming to grips with the situation as it really is. We might call it spiritual humility uh, and clarity on Red Bull and steroids because it's a great moment of authenticity. And in that moment of captivity and condemnation, a condemned criminal recognizes, ironically, the most emancipative, redemptive, and promising reality of the entire gospel of Jesus Christ, making it also the message for us today in Birmingham in 2021. As he prepares to die on a cross, he paradoxically prepares to live making the most life-saving discovery of all. So, and it is this. Suddenly, he realizes that he is totally and completely helpless. And in God's eternal economy of grace, there is no more promising condition than helplessness. Hear me out. The words of St. Paul really are true. While we were helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. Not when we prove ourselves worthy after a do-over. Not when we finally lose that pot belly. Not when we finally get that promotion. But while we are helpless, Christ acts. And this is the very foundation of the gospel that you and I proclaim. So our thief, he probably clears his throat, <clears throat> lifts his weary head, and he takes one of his last earthly breaths, and he makes this plea. Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And no sooner than he makes that plea, it is granted. Jesus, in the blink of an eye, no hesitation, replies, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Notice that St. Luke, uh, let the record also, sh also show that St. Luke does not say Jesus pondered, ooh, this is a tough one. Ooh, this is really a tough one. Or, I hope he'll promise to be a better person if I grant him this wish. It turns out that contrary to the self-help section in the Barnes & Noble at the summit, and much to the chagrin of many of our so-called uh, best friends who love to tell us believe in ourselves and trust in ourselves. 
Contrary to that, recognizing our helplessness is actually the key to hopefulness. And the paradise of which I speak, the paradise spoken of in the Holy Scriptures, is not for people who can get there. It is not for the strong and independent among us. It is reserved exclusively and entirely for the helpless, for those of us who depend utterly and entirely on Christ and his accomplishments. If you have a lingering fear about death and judgment, fear not. Call on the name of Jesus anytime and be saved. Now, of course, at one level, it is my solemn duty to recommend no delay ever in making that petition, if you never have. But let me let you in on a little inside baseball. Even if you wait it out to the bitter end, after everything else has failed you in your life, the power of divine mercy is just the same. As Mercy himself said, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, Help of the helpless, O Lord, abide with me. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at Advent Birmingham.